I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Anne McElvoy, head of Economist Radio, and you're listening to The Economist Asks. And today we're asking, could Jeremy Corbyn become Britain's next prime minister? We are ready, and the Tories... Uh, clearly not. They're certainly not strong. And they're definitely not stable. And don't you think that this cult of personality, this bubble effect with everybody loving Corbyn, don't, do you think that's sustainable for four years? I'm here at the Labour Party Conference Centre in the seaside town of Brighton. We're outside a rather drab 1970s building, but the vibe here is certainly lively. Young people, lots of them coming in from universities across the country, very interesting haircuts and quite offbeat clothing, walking down cramped hallways, and they're bumping into their heroes. Team Corbyn used to be those on the outside of Labour politics the far left fringe, now running the show. The Labour Party suffered a crushing defeat back in 2015. It lost 26 seats to the Conservative Party, but it gained them all back and more in this summer's snap election. As Theresa May leads her fractured party towards an uncertain Brexit deal, Jeremy Corbyn has set his sights firmly on number 10 Downing Street. But can the man who styled himself as a permanent revolutionary with an impressive set of protest badges to boot really do it, get the gravitas required and take the top job in Britain? Before heading to his speech, the economist, budget economist and I, Adrian Waldridge, took a leisurely stroll on the beach in Brighton to go back to basics. What are these party conferences actually for? Well, we're sitting in two fabulously striped deck chairs on the beach. It's a good working day for us, isn't it? But we have a reason to be here because it's Labour Party conference, Brighton on the beach, foggy day, late summer feeling. For me, a lot of ghosts because I've been coming for 25 years and I think you've been coming for about the same. The first time I ever came to a Labour Party conference in Brighton was when John Smith was uh, head of the Labour Party, which he was for a very short period. But it was really the period in which... Tony Blair and Gordon Brown were establishing their position in the Labour Party and we, we met them uh, back then in, I think, 1992 and they were very much the coming people and Gordon Brown was the intellectually dominant person, I think, at that time. Tony Blair was a bit of his sidekick but there was a sense of excitement, a sense that they were going to reinvent the world and reinvent the Labour Party. A new dawn has broken, has it not? And it is wonderful. We always said that if we had the courage to change, then we could do it. And we did it. 
And these political conferences, we might come on in a moment and say whether we think they're like conventions or not. I think they're like sort of US conventions with worse things to drink. But they are important, aren't they, in, in the lives of parties. It was here, for instance, in Brighton in 1984 that the, the terrible bombing, the IRA bombing, took place of the conference hotel. It killed and, and maimed a, a number of Mrs Thatcher's closest team. Neil Kinnock, when he was Labour leader, on the, the lighter side of politics, he had a, a moment walking along the beachfront when he then fell into the sea. So people who follow British politics mark out their lives in these conferences. Absolutely. What are they marking this year? Well, what you see at these conferences are great social events. You know, people are meeting each other, they're renewing friendships, they're getting drunk together, and important political events. Uh, and this conference, politically, is a very important conference. For the last couple of years, the Labour Party conferences have been rather disappointing affairs because nobody really knew who was in charge of the Labour Party. So they were two sides of the party bickering with each other, not very well organised. This year, um, Jeremy Corbyn is absolutely in charge. He did very well in the election, and now the Corbynites are completely taking over the party, and there's a sense of energy, determination, enthusiasm in the airs, which is extraordinary. I mean, you've been coming to these conferences for 25 years. What, in, what, what is your impression of this place so far? Well, it's a bit of a contradiction because on the one hand, as you say, Jeremy Corbyn, it's glad, confident, warning. He had a good election result. He isn't really reaching out to moderates in any form. You get a lot of rhetoric sometimes, don't you, for, from Corbyn saying, let's put behind us our differences. And I was talking to a, a Labour MP who was, uh, came and went really within a day who said, I'm not putting up with this. There's a, a cordon across the conference floor where MPs are not supposed to cross because the members are in the driving seat. So the MPs, who after all have fought for their constituencies, have fought off uh, political challenges uh, from the other parties, are really sidelined here. And I wonder if this Corbyn recipe of doubling down on that membership, on his loyalists, is going to be enough to take him forward. Yeah, I saw an extraordinary thing yesterday, which was Tom Watson, who's been very much, he's the deputy leader of the party, he's been the centre, in many ways, of the resistance to the complete Corbyn takeover. And he not only gave a speech praising Corbyn, but he even sang Oh Jeremy Corbyn in a sort of public display of, of bending the knee to the, to Chinese, the, to the great man. It? It's very Chinese. There's a real cult of personality here. And don't you think that this cult of personality, this bubble effect with everybody loving Corbyn, don't, do you think that's sustainable for four years? I think it's sustainable for people. We came to, from the Momentum House together, that grassroots yeah, movement, the yeah. target seats helps get Corbyn's people elected, squeezes out moderates. It's a very well-organised movement. And I think they will stick with it. Yeah, they're in it. They're probably in it if not for life, then for, for the next 10 years. Well, someone who ought to be of the future is Keir Starmer, who gave the shadows the, the Brexit portfolio. And he gave a speech which was quite nitty-gritty. Clearly, he's a soft Brexiteer. But he's dealing with a difficult leadership where the heart is strongly for out. The far left of, of Labour has always been Eurosceptic. And he's trying to get round that corner. He's a barrister. He's a very skilled barrister. So <laughs> he should be able to manage it. But I don't know what you felt. I mean, Keir Starmer should be the soft Brexit hero of Labour conference for those on the centre-left. But he doesn't bring it to life. And I wondered if you heard his speech, whether you thought that, that the message might just be wrong to go this technocratic way of trying in a way to argue the Brussels way, rather than saying that a lot of people didn't vote for this, we've got to have our heart behind it. Well, he has to be very careful with what he says because the Labour Party is divided. He doesn't want to inflame those divisions. He was When he made his speech, you know, uh, Corbyn was sitting right next to him on the stage and he couldn't say anything, which confronted him uh, with 
outright dissent, but the problem is he's just really quite boring, and I don't think the boringness is just because he's got a difficult brief, I think it may be part of his soul. And the problem with his speech was that not only the audience was going to sleep, even the professional journalists who live for this sort of stuff were also going to sleep. I mean, he really put, he, he managed to take a really interesting issue and kill it. He doesn't come from a political background, he came late into politics. I did hear a very funny story that a delegate told me about him getting up to speak on the rubber chicken circuit out in the Labour constituents where they were hoping for a lot of go Jeremy Corbyn yeah. and they got Keir Starmer talking about the EFTA court and what sort of court should uh, rule on Britain's trade relations after Brexit. I shouldn't think that would be a repeat event. I mean, the Labour Party managed to kill the Brexit debate partly by folding it into an, a lot of other debates about uh, 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 about foreign policy. So you had a lot of rousing speeches about the evils of Israeli foreign policy which everybody uh, agreed on. So there's very little focus on Brexit because they wanted to kill it. But the most interesting impassioned and to the point interventions were made by young people. There were a number of young delegates, 25 uh, year old probably, who made very precise points and then there were a lot of very boring trade unionists who came along and deliberately obfuscated the issue. I don't think 70s trade unions are your thing though. Well it's not that but they were told, I mean their basic job is to close the debate down and they did did a good job of of closing the debate down but I did think that these young people are not going to go away. Anyone to watch? I think Angela Rayner, the Shadow Education Secretary, she's a northern working class woman. She had a child, I think, when she was 16, when she was very young. She's had a difficult life, but she's articulate, she's interesting, and she hasn't, she's on the left of the party, but she isn't a paid up Corbynista. She hasn't bowed down before him. I think she's really a woman to watch. And an interesting thing, and it's often the, the women, the rising women, like Angela Rayner, Emily Thornbury, not everybody's cup of tea, Shadow Defence Secretary, but I, I've slightly warmed her because she's a great kind of battle boss. She just keeps going. They tend to say, we're not Marxists. They acknowledge, in a sense, that Jeremy Corbyn is a Marxist. And I think even on the left, there is going to be that argument in the next few years. Some people, Corbyn MacDonald, strictly from the Marxists, or perhaps in MacDonald's case, Trotskyite textbook, a lot of people quite far to the left would like to take British politics in that direction. Charlie Marx is not their pin. I think that's a very important distinction to make. If you begin to think that everybody who isn't a Blairite is a Corbynite, you're missing something very, very important. I think we should have an image to take away from Brighton Labour Conference 2017. And for me, it, it's a guy standing in front of me as I went into the hall. His, his T-shirt says, where is the outrage? I felt like saying, mate, it's all outrage. All around you is outrage. There's no shortage of that. Did you have a moment? Oh, absolutely. I went to the um, Momentum, which is a left-wing pressure group, has uh, running a parallel com- conference called The World Transformed. And most of the people in Momentum in The World Transformed Conference are young students style people but there's also an, a contingent of 1970s style radicals who are now in their 50s 60s and 70s who uh, have been brought back into politics by the rise of, of Corbynism and I went That's to true. listen to a debate with all of these uh, uh, these people and for some reason I was taken and put in the area for the very old people uh, rather than with the young people so I sat with three or four ro- rows of, uh, of elderly people and we had to sit right in the front row because we were thought to be blind and deaf and the rest of it uh, and with waiting for McDonald to appear on the stage and to entertain us because most of the people there were young they paid an absolute top volume um, what I regard what I'm told is called gothic music or goth music so we're sitting there being completely deafened by this horrible raucous noise but I suppose you know the revolution is worth destroying a few eardrums for you got your where's the outrage t-shirt no I, 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 I'm afraid I'm in a permanent state of outrage but more outrage at these people than with them
Thanks to Adrian there for sharing our time out together on the beach at Brighton. We get all the good gigs. Thank you. If I could bring conference to order, please. <laughs> I've always secretly wanted to be conference chair. <laughs> conference, thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for that wonderful welcome and this incredible feeling and spirit and unity and love and affection we have here this week in Brighton. Thank you for all of that. And there was thunderous applause that went on for a good five minutes after Mr Corbyn got himself onto the podium. Might we bring this conference to order? The Labour leader seemed to be almost wheedling with his fans to shut up after a while. The message was clear. We're the mainstream now. We came from the fringes of left-wing Labour politics. We're now completely in control of the party and we think we're going to be in control of the country. There was a confidence to Mr Corbyn that we haven't seen before on the conference stage. He's got to know how to use the autocue and he's really enjoying himself. Might we bring this conference to order? He wheedled as the crowd yodeled and cried, oh Jeremy Corbyn. And I think I read this event as a formal coronation of Mr Corbyn in the wake of that successful insurgency that he had back in the election in June. But it's also a surrender of the Labour moderates. You see that everywhere. The fact that there's a rope across the floor. Activists are at the front of the hall. He praised them lavishly. Because we offered people a clear choice, we need to build a still broader consensus around the priorities we set in the election campaign, making the case for both compassion and collective aspiration. That's the real centre of gravity in politics. We are now the political mainstream. Yes. Our manifesto and our policies are popular because that is what most people in the country actually want, not what they're being told they should want. And he had a bucket load of flattery for the faithful troops. The star of the campaign was you, he cried at one point, and you are the future. Now, some of us thought it was perhaps a bit too much, a bit oleaginous, this endless flattering of the audience and the activists. But there is a political point to it. It is saying that they are the people who built momentum, this big force behind Jeremy Corbyn and the takeover of the Labour Party from the left. He needs to keep them on board. He didn't sound as if he was struggling with that task but he also had to have a pitch to the rest of the country and that was quite interesting there's no bigger test in politics right now than brexit an incredibly important and complex process that cannot be reduced to repeating fairy stories from the side of a bus or waiting 15 months to state the obvious <laughs> as democratic socialists we accept and respect the referendum result but respect for a democratic decision does not mean giving a green light to recklessness. The uneasy truth at this conference is that the Labour Party is as divided as the Conservatives on the subject of Brexit. You can hear the protesters behind me. They've certainly got their view worked out bollocks to Brexit. But that isn't actually the view of many people on the ground. And Jeremy Corbyn has to walk that line. 
So what were the hits of Jeremy Corbyn's performance? I would say that he landed some blows on Theresa May and her very vociferous cabinet when he talked about a coalition of chaos. That will resonate. It was a charge first laid at his door in the election campaign in June, but it now looks just as true, perhaps more so, of Theresa May's very fighty cabinet and their inability to come to a view on what kind of Brexit they are proposing. It's no rest for the wicked for the mainstream media here at the conference, so while I was bashing out a piece backstage, my producer Cheryl Bromley caught up with some of the faithful leaving the hall. She wanted to know how they'd found the Jeremy experience. Absolutely, totally inspiring, wonderful and bang on right. The things that Jeremy Corbyn is now talking about to the Labour Party conference, yes, it's definitely become mainstream and it's about, it's about love and compassion, basically, and for the many, not the few, whoever came up with that is a genius. I feel more inspired and, um, you know, fired up to go out campaigning than ever before. What did you make of Mr Corbyn's speech? I think it was just what we needed, sending everyone out with lots of energy. He went through all the key issues that we need to be addressing, some really exciting policies that have been developed over the, over the, over the conference, and I think it summed them up brilliantly. Can you win the next election? Absolutely. Try and stop us. Oh, of course, of course, no doubt. If it was tomorrow, we'd definitely win. It's, you know, we are mainstream. There's no, you know, that, that's it. We are the, we are the leader. And um, the Tories must be worried. They must be. I, I agree in principle with pretty much every single thing he said, actually, and it was really refreshing. I really feel the, the tide changing, the momentum building behind the uh, Labour campaign, uh, the way I see people talk about it on social media, what friends who previously wouldn't have voted Labour were saying. Um, I think there's a real change, and I think, I think they could win the next election, yeah. It's the sound of wheelie cases you can hear everywhere on the seafront here in Brighton. The faithful returning home to their constituencies, I think very buoyed up by Jeremy Corbyn's performance. They think they're on the road to government. Well, let's see. I'm on the road back to London and thereafter to Conservative Conference. Yes, it's one long roadshow for the political class at the moment. From Brighton, this is The Economist. 